0: Welcome to UpBringing. We're Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. UpBringing is a movement that empowers us all to engage bravely with the hardest aspects of parenting, to create positive change in ourselves, our families, and the world. Join us to build intention, elevate skills, and align our parenting practices with our greatest ideals. When we practice trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection, we're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Today's episode is supported by Primary, a baby and children's clothing brand offering quality-made, gender-neutral basics. Two mothers founded Primary because they couldn't find sturdy, soft clothing without the logos, slogans, sequins, and embellishments so common these days. Primary's clothing is ethically manufactured and Oeko-Tex Standard 100 certified, meaning it's free from harmful chemicals. Learn more about Primary and support Upbringing by visiting today's show notes. Now, on to our conversation. Teresa Thorne is a Los Angeles-based co-host of the acclaimed parenting humor podcast, One Bad Mother, as well as the author of It Feels Good to Be Yourself, a book about gender identity for children. We loved connecting with Teresa about her kids ages 2, 5, and 8, especially her oldest daughter, Grace, who socially transitioned from male to female at the age of 5. Teresa helped us explore the ways in which gender can be a unique and personal expression of self for all of us, and how this perspective can build momentum in dismantling any binary thinking that we hold regarding unconscious fears and expectations of who our kids are and who they will become. Here we go. We were reminiscing about One Bad Mother Uh the other day, and... I was thinking back and my husband, Alex asked me and, and I think it was the first podcast that I ever listened to. Oh, Um, Yeah. Yeah. Kelty's husband, Justin was getting in the podcasts back in 2013 and I was pregnant with uh, my daughter, Roy and freaking out. Basically, we didn't have a lot of friends who had kids at all. And um, he was like, you need to listen to this podcast because he's been a fan of Jesse for a long time. And uh, and so I started listening, and as a I know a lot of moms listen to the podcast, but as someone who was uh, expecting to be a mom, it was the most reassuring, um, just amazing experience. So, anyway, thank you very much. I'm happy to hear that. I think Grace was probably like 18 months old. You were pregnant with Oscar. God, I feel like Katie Bell was (laughs) around four. So I was able to get everything. I was like, I was able to get like what was 18 months coming into what like the post toddler, you know, kid years were, I was like, okay, I can do this. That's so good. (laughs) And then it actually happened to us. And we were like, no, we can't. I know. What are you at? Like 300 episodes now?
1: We're over 300. I think.
0: Oh my God. I think it's amazing. Yeah.
1: Wait, wait, I don't actually remember. I think we might be over 300.
0: I feel like it's totally okay if you've lost. Yeah, count no, at this I've point, lost count. Well, lot. because I <laughs> yeah. used to
1: post the show every week, and so I always knew what number we were at because I had just posted it. So I, I was numbering it. Um, but now mm-hmm. um, our producer Hannah does the 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 posting, and so I and then I review like I review the show and I review the show notes, but like I do- I just skip over the number. I don't know why I don't like it doesn't register. <laughs>
0: It doesn't really matter at, anyway at yeah. this point. It's like you're still going. Like that's what I, I am with age now. I always forget how old Kelty and I are, and <laughs> I seriously have no idea. I don't know how old my husband is. I've lost track of everyone's ages. I don't care. I'm like you're alive. That's all that I matters. I feel like
1: I did that for a long for the past several years. Except for that now I'm gonna turn 39, and I feel like I'm gonna start paying attention again for the next couple of years because 39 feels like almost 40, <gasps> and then 40 feels like a really big deal. Okay, so six years ago.
0: It's been a long time. Kelsey and I have saved up all of our wins and fails. And we thought we would tell you all of them right now.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. That's, a, that's a good use of all of our time right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but do, seriously, do people come up to you on the street or, you know, at one of your shows and are like, I need to tell you um, this?
1: Or wait, you have the phone line. The, yeah, right? people use the phone line. Like, I, I like it when somebody has something like from that day. Like if I if I see somebody like out on the street or whatever, like I love it when people have something fresh that they haven't called in yet um that mm-hmm. happens and then at the live shows it's great hearing it um just in person from people but yeah I think for the most part there's people who just like keep the one bad mother um line in their phones and call a lot like this is like oh we have like a hand like she's like we hear from a lot, lot lots of people but we get like hundreds of calls a month and there's definitely a handful of people who are just calling because we're the person that they have to call that they can call. Mm-hmm. And like, we're happy to do that. Like we're happy to be that for people, but it's, <laughs> it's funny.
0: Are there memorable people where you tell biz, you're like, it's Shannon again. She's got another think, good one. I think
1: that's true for biz. Cause she listens to all the calls. Um, oh, I see. We okay. do sometimes like there was this period of time where <laughs> um, our friend Marnie, who uh, like helps run the, the closed group on Facebook um, and is really awesome. There was this period of time where like her, she had called in a few times and then for some reason, everyone who called in, we thought was her, like her voice was like, was like <laughs> contagious somehow or like we couldn't stop hearing her voice. So we kept going, is that Marnie again? Like we just kept thinking everyone was Marnie, but it wasn't. It was just a it's lot weird. of people who were reminding us of Marnie for some reason.
0: Are most of them anonymous?
1: Uh, yes. I think that there are people who will say like, this is so-and-so from wherever. Um, but I think for the most part, people just call in and say what's going on. Mm-hmm. I think
0: it's just such an interesting idea because normally I would imagine, like Kelty and I don't like talking in like binary thinking ways with our kids or for ourselves, like you win or you lose or you you succeed or you fail. But like, there's something so comforting about just identifying when something went great or when something didn't go that great and not holding it in and not keeping it to yourself. Yes, you know? totally.
1: And and I'm I'm with you on like not having everything be so black and white. And I think what's funny about genius and fail is that if you want to play the game, is this a genius or a fail? Like almost every single Thing that we classify as a genius or fail has elements of the other thing in it like mm-hmm. there are so mm-hmm. many fails that started out as genius moments and then went terribly uh-huh. wrong and that's why it was a fail but then there's so many um like fails where if you actually like listen to how the parent handled the situation or like what they learned from it or how the kid handled the situation. Like there's a lot of amazing genius in how we're getting through those failures. Um, so, but yes, I think that is not like overthinking it in that way is not always as much of a relief as just saying like, look, I did something really well and I just want to be applauded for that. And then the, flip side of that being like when something goes terribly wrong like the feeling of just saying let's just call it a fail and move on with our lives everybody has well and, and you kind of yeah you
0: applaud those things too it's kind of you get applauded for either one on your show which i really yeah, love
1: that's yeah that's true yeah. We feel it's important um, <laughs> i don't know why i, I think that
0: it goes to show the power of storytelling. Like you guys, your show is just storytelling from people's genius moments to to their fails, to what you and biz talk about all the time. And it's amazing. Like stuff I remember from six years ago, I still remember it because it was a story, like something you said about something when the tub with grace or, you know, something biz said, or one of the genius mom moments that I was telling Kelty about today, it was a mom who had to get out of work get out in the morning and go to work and her kid would always get her like messy with their food and she would always have to change her top and she you know be doing stain stuff and it was really hard and her genius was that she just started doing topless mornings with her toddler and i just like for some reason remember that um and told Kelsey how amazing it was and she was like but she could have thought of that as a fail that woman could have she could have been like fail i have to like go around in my bra like my kid is making me do this and it just kind of pointed at that idea you just said where it's like it's all mindset whether it's a fail or whether it's um, a genius moment do you it's know what I mean totally
1: all mindset and it's um it's it's interesting that you brought up like storytelling as well because I think storytelling can also cause us to veer off course as far as like feeling good and like feeling like we're doing our best Um, because you know it's I think it's easy to have something go wrong and maybe have another thing go wrong or have things be hard and it's easy for us to tell ourselves a story that is not always accurate because we're mm-hmm. trying to tell a story because that's what our human brains do um, but there have been so many times on the show where parents have called in, especially during like the rant and the breakdown part of the show where they're calling in and their story that they're, you can, they're telling you the details of what's going on. And the story that they have made out of that is that they are doing a terrible job or like they, they can't Mm -hmm. do the thing that they set out to do. It's just too hard. And um, it, it, at some point a few years ago, we started saying, like, when something goes wrong, like, that's actually just a thing that happened. Like, I know, I know that our brains want to look for meaning in it. But we don't have to assign meaning to it. It can just be a thing that happened. And that's okay, too. Because lots of things happen all the time, you know, and like, sometimes, if we're really tired, and we don't have energy, Sometimes it's easier to make those things that went wrong into us into a bigger story about h- how terrible everything is um which isn't mm-hmm. always helpful <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think it makes me think of our our episode last week. We talked about like trying really hard to show love unconditionally to our kids. And in, in a huge way, it really came down to just not taking things so personally all the time, whether it's something we did, whether it was something they did. But I think we all have this lifetime original picture running in our minds. Like we are the stars of our own show, and you know, any movie we watch, most books we read have that narrative arc where everything that is being mentioned is there for a reason that's playing into the character's successes or the character's failure or kind of whatever that is. And I want to gear us toward your incredible children's book. It feels good to be yourself because you didn't have a narrative to the book. You had all these beautiful pieces of information in it. Um, it just, it didn't follow the typical tropes of so many children's books. Um, and even ones we've read about, um, gender identity. It was just, it was just amazing. It was Teresa. amazing. We've shed a lot of tears reading it. Our kids are always like, why are you sniffling? Mama? <laughs> <laughs> like every time we, we like, read there, it, we cry. Happy tears, happy yeah, tears, guys.
1: That's so nice.
0: <laughs> oh, seriously. It just, I feel like you took all these kind of swirly, Um, complex topics about gender identity and just boiled it down to this beautiful statement like all kids are different Mm -hmm. that's what this Mm -hmm. is about you know
1: yeah I mean Um, I think as far as the narrative aspect or lack of narrative I think I I think I was just really coming from a place of like there are there already were, you know, a handful of great narrative books that dealt with a gender transition and, like, young children. Um, and some of them are really, like, clear and specific, like I Am Jazz. Um, but others, you know, they they have characters that are animals or, you know, they're just really vague. Mm. This person, this animal wants to be a different animal or, um, oh you know, gosh. it's...
0: Don't get me started on the animal books. Like, I barely understand them. I know, so
1: exactly. And so, and the, you know, there's a wonderful book that a lot of people like to use, which is called Red is a Cran Story, Um, or Red, a Cran Story, I'm sorry, Um, which is a really interesting book. But as I have read it with my kids, I'm just, I'm pretty sure that they're not, they're not... It's yeah, they're not getting the, the metaphor, you know, for any, anybody listening who hasn't seen the book, it's basically a story about a blue crayon that's in a red crayon wrapper. Um, and uh, so over the course of the book, you know, the, the fellow crayons on the cran family find out that the crayon is actually blue and isn't red. Um, and it's really cool. But like, it's not It's just not clear. And then I think that almost like further perpetuates this idea that this topic of gender is not something we can just talk about. It's something we have to sort mm -hmm. of like dance around and like draw pictures about or like use metaphors or music or just be like we're just not being clear. And I think. For young kids, I think there's nothing better than just being really clear and being really direct and being really open <laughs> and answering questions and just sort of explaining the way it is and and not shying away from this topic. So I, I really wanted that yeah. and I felt like that would be more helpful.
0: You nailed it. I feel mm-hmm. like, I mean, I think those, the, the Red Crayon book, that's great maybe for parents who this concept is very uncomfortable, you know, and it's it kind of easing them into it. But what are they supposed to do when they're talking to their child about another kid at the park? Are they going to talk in crayon metaphors? <laughs> right. Like, What I loved about <laughs> your book is that it, it really provides all of the vocabulary very clearly. And I don't, Kelsey and I talk a lot about how words are kind of their security. It was Thank awesome. You. Yeah. And I I love, too, that most of it, right, Kel, isn't most of it in, it's like as though the, I mean, the parent is reading it as though they are just talking to, the, to their child as they're reading it. It's very natural. So they're both learning the vocabulary at the same time. Yeah.
1: I mean, to be totally honest, you know, I'm not, like, obviously I'm not, a, I'm not like a skilled or experienced children's book author. So the way I wrote this book was just this is how I talk to my kids about this. And I had other um, parents who were asking me like, how do I, how do I talk about this? Or what do I, what do you want me to say? Or how do I, you know, like people really trying and really being open and ready to do it, but just not knowing how. And so for me, just the, the idea was just, let me just write down exactly what I say when I'm talking about this. And then it just sort of evolved Mm -hmm. from there and filled out from there.
0: Well, and the catalyst for the book is your transgender daughter, Grace. Can you tell us a little bit about her?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so Grace, um, she was assigned male at birth. She's our oldest child. We have three kids. Um, and Grace, uh, around the time that she was entering kindergarten, um, she had she had always been sort of um, gender expansive as far as her expression. She'd been interested in dresses sometimes and you know wanted to grow her hair long. Um, but my husband and I, with our own cisgender bias and just the way nobody ever expects their kids to be different from them, I think, even though we we know they mm-hmm. will be, but we just we didn't think that. Um, she could be trans. We just thought, you know, we're, we're open, we're cool with whatever. Um, but around the time she was starting kindergarten, she seemed to be really ha- having a hard time with her gender, her assigned gender, um, and really asking more questions about it and really seeming troubled. Um, and over the course of a few months, she basically came out to us saying, you know, she, she feels like a girl and she wants to be a girl and she is a girl. And, you know, she said it in many different ways um, and also specifically using those words. Um, And so we pretty quickly accepted that. Um, We had done some research and um, had been educating ourselves all along. And at the point that we were, um, open to her transitioning socially, uh, during kindergarten, we, we were still kind of in denial. I mean, we just wanted to love her no matter what, and show her that we loved her no matter what, and, and that we would accept any, any way that she wanted to be in the world. Um, we just felt that part was really important, but it, it took us probably months to catch on that, that it was really real. I know that's, that sounds kind of terrible. Um, But it's just hard to wrap your head around when, uh, you know, I'm a cisgender woman. And I was told when Gracie was in my belly that she was a boy and that I was having a boy. So it just took, I think, some time to really change my way of seeing her um, in the world. Uh, But then once I did, you know, it's just it's no turning back. I mean, she just is who she is. She's now, um, eight years old and she's in third grade and she's doing great and she's really happy. Um, so it's been, it's been a journey and there, there's more journey ahead for sure. Um,
0: I always think about the word transition, you know, for a kid to transition and to kind of come out and, and really, authentically define themselves, whether it's their gender or something else, but the transition for the parents, the family, the friends, the school, the community, that's a transition too. Like it makes total sense to me that that would have taken a while for you guys to kind of get your minds around despite, you know, lovingly supporting it the whole time. Um, What was it like with you know, with friends and with family and school. Um, How did the transition so, go?
1: Let's see. I'll take each one of those um, separately. <laughs> with friends, um, the kids, the kids were great. I think um, the only like slightest hesitation that we got from anyone was like a few of Gracie's good friends who were boys. Um, their parents. were worried that their kids would be upset or wouldn't understand. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to, I don't want that to sound like I don't, it was, it was really like the slightest hesitation. Like we're just very lucky. We live in a Mm -hmm. very progressive uh, tolerant community here in Northeast Los Angeles. Um, so for the most part, everybody was very accepting. Um, there were definitely folks who were just, surprised and it was hard for people to understand um and but then pretty quickly those friends came around and their kids came around even faster um and then the school was great they did not do much education around it uh but i will say they were immediately accepting the teacher allowed Gracie to bring in the book "I Am Jazz," which was very meaningful to Gracie at the time, mm, and read it to book. the class. We did not have what other families have very sadly had to deal with in other places, where uh, parents then uh, in the community were upset that their children had been, you know, exposed to. <laughs> exposed to yeah, this new information. Um, so we were lucky that the parent community at that school was also very supportive. Although, you know, there's, there's always people who are sort of confused. I did have a parent say, well, I think, I think they're a little young for this. Um, and I think yeah. that really yeah. just comes from just not knowing. I mean, a lot of people, Sometimes. if they don't know, yeah. they sort of equate Um, transgender identity with some sort of like sexual orientation or something and so but as soon Mm -hmm. as people understand this isn't sexual gender and sex are different um, then they they seem to calm down a little bit
0: Yeah, I mean the book says ages four to seven, but we learned from it. We're (laughs) getting copies for our parents. We tried to talk to our grandma about it. It was that was an interesting conversation. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Yeah.
1: I mean, I but I've heard both. Like I've also heard of that, like my my grandparents' generation like also being really accepting. Cause it's like and like the people who sometimes you don't expect to be accepting are sometimes just like, great, of course. Like I'm not gonna. Like they're over it, you know, like they've lived long enough. They understand, that the world mm-hmm. is an amazing place. Yeah. Like they're ready. Total. Their minds
0: and are being blown like every yeah, five yes. seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, <laughs> and kids, like you said, too, are the, you know, seem to be able to integrate that and shift their mindset and open up and accept and understand yeah. so much yes. faster. They don't have all yes, that baggage, exactly. you know, that c- cultural yes. conditioning for however many yes. years. Kelty wrote down a million reflections on the book. I We're did. not going to be able to go through all of these, it's, but it's so beautiful. And it's so, the pace of it feels so good. And every page is just so rich and dynamic and diverse. And we loved that it, w- uh, we read a little note that you um, wrote in an article saying that you wanted to write something that's for all kinds of kids, not just for a transgender kid in a cisgender world. And I, and that's what I love the most about the book, that every single kid unless the narrator or we reading it kind of described their situation was was a question mark and and just pointed to the fact that every child is different every child is on this beautiful big beautiful spectrum of, of discovery and of gender identity For
1: sure. Yeah, thank that. you. I you know, and that came I can thank Gracie's siblings for the for that aspect of the book because as Gracie was transitioning, you know, I also had a 3-year-old who was watching their older sibling you know, have a transition to a different gender than than he thought she was? Um, so part of the way, you know, I said I wrote the book, you know, out of the way I talk with my kids about gender. And part of that was that i wanted I wanted my kids to I wanted my kids to be learning about gender in a way that they were equals. I didn't want to say, Mm -hmm. you know, all of us in our family, were cisgender, and then Gracie is different. (laughs) I wanted to say, Mm -hmm. hey, all people have their own sense of their own gender that is totally unique to them. Isn't that cool? Like, let's Mm -hmm. think about, I love thinking about my gender and how I feel about myself and how I express myself Mm -hmm. to the world and what feels right to me and who I am. Um, and that was a really, that was just a really special experience for, for me with my kids where they, they have been getting to know this aspect of themselves and it's not about Mm -hmm. one kid being different. It's about all kids can benefit from thinking about gender in this way and, and having it be something that makes them special
0: and as you said too that it's only one aspect of our identities it's not
1: right. everything yes you know? exactly i mean um, like gracie we don't talk about her trans identity that much anymore like we we talk about it but it's not like a daily conversation like cuz she just is who she is she's got tons of other stuff going on that she's into this is not you know the primary thing going on in our lives and that feels right. Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: I think that it felt to me such a reminder to be sort of working to dismantle binary thinking about our kids in in even a wider sense of what they choose to play with, if what they choose to believe God is, what they want to be called, what they think tastes yucky, I think. We as parents, like you said, we just think that our kid is going to be like us. Oh, they'll, maybe they'll play the sports we played. Maybe they'll go to the school we went to. Like we have all of these like crazy mini me feeling thoughts. And this book was such a beautiful reminder of like, whoa, this is the this is theirs. All of these things are theirs. And and gender was like the the base part of that, the thread kind yeah. of woven through. Yeah,
1: I think so. I mean. Um, Gracie has, like, I used to think it was so, like, weird and cliche when people would say, like, their kids were their teachers. It's funny because Gracie, she just, she, she's one of those people, she's just, she has never been the kid who was who I was like oh she's gonna be just like me or oh she's gonna be just like my husband like she just is her own girl and she's so cool but like there was a (laughs) there was a period of time like that was going on even through the gender transition but not only about the gender transition where I I really struggled with Like, who is this person as a reflection of me? And, Mm -hmm. and like, and like, I struggled with like, okay, I expected my kid to be like me or in in these certain ways, or at least in some ways, you know? Um, And the letting go, like the, like Gracie was great because I think all of our kids teach us this lesson at some point, but Gracie, like, because she is, she's pretty unique. She taught me that lesson really quick like there was no chance of me saying like well now that she's a girl like she's gonna be like me like she's just always been her own person and once i once i realized that i was carrying around that baggage about that and i just realized like actually this is way better like i'm gonna let go and just watch what she does like i'm just curious i'm just curious to see what choices she makes, what she decides to do, um, how she grows. And I'm just going to like be here for her, but I'm going to, I I made like a conscious mental effort to step back, you know, and just not have that kind of attachment where I need to make her a certain way. Cause I can't with this kid, I can't make her anything. She just is herself Mm -hmm. and it's, it's awesome. Like I it's so freeing as a parent. Like to just say like, oh right, like my job is really like to love her and be like a guardian of her in the world, but my job is not to make her be a way, be like be a certain way or make her be who she is. That's already going to happen. Preach
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And I think that with I, I think so many of us don't necessarily come into that way of thinking or that opportunity which the the word trust just kept coming up as you're talking about this like it is such a big trust fall to say i believe in you to do and become who you need to be and who you want to be and you know yourself better oh, yeah. than i do right to, to yeah. let that go, that is that goes against our all of our cultural conditioning and our, our idea as, as parents, what we're supposed to do. But like you, Grace gave you this opportunity in such a big way where I think in other families, we wouldn't necessarily have that where you're like, wow, I really have to do this and let go about this gender thing. And then you're like, well, what, what I can do that in other ways or with my other kids or, you know, it's been, I imagine really it freeing really in has. that way. Yes. Um, Would you read the last few pages to just give us a good cry on our way out of this conversation?
1: My book is across the room. I'm just going to grab it. Hold on. You might feel like a boy. You might feel like a girl. You might feel like both boy and girl or like neither. You might feel like your gender changes from day to day or from year to year. You might feel that none of these words describes you perfectly. You might not be sure yet. Maybe you're still figuring it out. Your feelings about your gender are real. Listen to your heart. No matter what your gender identity is, you are okay exactly the way you are. And you are loved. It feels good to be yourself, doesn't it?
0: That was fun. It was really fun. Yeah. So fun. I like your kind of Wisconsin accent you were doing. be <laughs> like, are you ready? <laughs> are you ready? ready, to ready go? Are you ready, guilty? Are you ready, goal? We're doing this. <laughs> This was such a fun episode, and like always, I'm like, I just wish we could have talked for like two more hours. Seriously, about the content, about her book. Just because you know, you talk to someone, or you don't talk to someone, you listen to someone, mm-hmm. and you feel like I know this person, I love this person. They must know me and love me too. Mm-hmm. Not and quite she's like, that who are way. you guys? She's and like, we're like we know you. Thank you so much for talking about my book, but uh, <laughs> goodbye now. She was amazing. No, though. she was warm and lovely. Lovely. Yeah. Like, such such a gift to talk to her. It really meant a lot. Kel, you had some quotes that you had accumulated from listening to our talk. Yeah. What there did you were, want to talk there about? There were so many good quotes that she said that just gave me goosebumps on uh, on Revisit in mm-hmm. retrospect. Yeah. She said, we just wanted to show Grace we loved her no matter what. We just wanted to show her we would accept any way she wanted to be in the world. Mm. This just warmed my heart. And it made me think about how when you think about a kid being five or older and having this big issue in transitioning, you think like, wow, that would be a really big deal. But when you hold this quote up to a baby or up to a young toddler you think, of course, I just want to show her I love her no matter what. Of course, I just want to show her we'll accept her no matter how she wants to be. And I feel like there are these weird social conventions that start pressing in the older they get. Mm -hmm. Is that weird that I think that? That it's easier to just let them be them in any way they need to be the younger they are. And then as they get older, it's like we're putting them more and more in a box or we're feeling that we're compelled to be putting them more and more in a box. I think that that has absolute merit, and I think that it just depends on the parent. It depends on the kid. It depends on the family they come up in, the culture and community they're in. You know, we all have those moments where we're like, that was cool, and then, oh, that's not so cool at this place or at this this age or in this context. We're all just so, we have so much pressure on us that I don't think we realize is there. And I think so much about this book and about Teresa and about these conversations are about getting aware about why do I feel a certain way? Why do I feel a pressure? Why do I feel a fear or a worry or a need to put something on my child or change them or do something with them Mm -hmm. or ask something of them? Mm -hmm. Where is that coming from? Right? I love that. I also liked how she spoke about gender. She said, Mm -hmm. we all have a sense of gender that belongs to us. And I've never really thought about... It's given to us, right? Right. Gender being... It doesn't belong to us. It's just given, doled out. Or it's personal, but it's it's doled out in that personal way. It's doled out, then it becomes personal. As opposed to it being this more fluid, uh, kind of ever-changing, unique version for Mm -hmm. every single person. You know, that she said all people have their own sense of their own gender that is totally unique to them. Isn't that cool? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, that is cool. Yeah. And I think that being a little bit more in those conversations of, you know, fluidity around sexuality. We don't necessarily talk as much about those things being fluid in terms of gender. Mm-mm. No, all of us grow up with you're assigned boy, you're assigned girl, and that's just how it goes. Sign on, girl. Sign on, boy. Yeah. That's what we do. It's not this feeling of. It's something that makes us special. It's something unique. Yeah. It's something on a spectrum. It's something unlike anybody else's. You know, uh, our culture just says sexuality too, even and gender and so many other things are by the book. Fixed. They're binary. They're rigid. They're fixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> and yeah. I mean, and our society is saying now, like, no. Let's expose these things for what they are and say, we are all on the spectrum. And the society is what is expecting these things, not actual humans to humans. Let's separate ourselves from these societal expectations and think about what's what's dividing us because we don't need it. How do we do that, though? Thinking about it, talking about it, creating conversations between us and our friends? Like, how else? I don't know. Just reading about it, thinking about it, talking about it, like you said, Cal. Creating and, conversations, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I think something Teresa said was so beautiful that she said something like it's so freeing as a parent to just say oh right my job is just to love her <laughs> yeah. and to be a guardian of her in the world and to make her be a certain way rather than just being who she is and what a fucking relief is that as a parent and that she got to find that out so early She re- because of this yeah. gender transition that Grace went through she realized that early on oh my job isn't to do all these things and shape all these things. It's just to support and love on the sidelines because she's her own fucking person. Mm-hmm. And she was from the down beginning. To. But I, I believe every kid is from the, from the beginning. yeah. But some maybe just show it more than others. Mm-hmm. and it's Sooner or more. Sooner or, whatever. or more, yeah. or whatever it is. And I think Grace yeah. might be one of those kids. And it reminds me of my kids because mm-hmm. they just show more... Your kids, Cal, like, wow. Demonstrate more, yeah. put it all out there more. They're harder. They They're put just it. beautifully brazen in every way. Yeah, but yeah. I think every kid has that in them, even if they can't show it or demonstrate it or put it out there in that or way. It, it's more obtuse or more nuanced, let's say. A little more subtle. Yeah. Maybe like your kids. Yeah. Mine are a little more subtle.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I think one of the big questions that comes from this talk with Teresa and... You know, we don't know what everybody listening, where you all are coming from with this. Some people this might, might be, be like, totally freaking people out. I'm on it. I've thought about this. I've read about this. I've talked about this. Others of you might be like, what the f, gender stuff? I thought boy, girl. What's going on? I care. I want to understand. I'm curious. Um, you know, why should we be considering gender something so personal, as opposed to something you know just a person's body dictating their gender. I think, they're born with yeah. a penis, so they're a boy. They're born with a vagina, so they're a girl. That's right. sex versus gender, like right. the whole discussion. Yeah. I don't think but, we can articulate that as well as a lot of websites, which we'll put in our show notes. Yeah, genderspectrum.org is a great oh, yeah. website to go to to just check that stuff out and share that stuff. But yeah. you and I have talked, Kel, about how we feel like there are three things at play from what we've read, from what we understand, and maybe other people have other ideas that they can share when we... Yeah, we want to hear more. We are growing our understanding of this um, and awareness too. So, But we are like three things at play. Body parts, which is generally like the sex assigned at birth. Gender identity. So am I female? Am I male? Am I non-binary? That type of thing. Am I both? Am I both? And then gender expression. How do I show that? What do I look like? What do I say? What do I do? And these are three really just Swirly, nuanced things that are very complicated. Yeah, but I like that she <coughs> talked about how babies' bodies can be just a clue to the gender they'll be. And mm-hmm. thinking about it that way, she, she says that in the book. Yeah, yeah. I love that. But just, it, it's something <clears throat> that we've been onto a little bit lately, just with like gender reveal parties, and we're like, it's the sex reveal. But mm-hmm. even then, just, like, yeah. just say it's the sex reveal right. and not the gender. Let Please. them become whatever gender they're gonna be. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's so complicated, even just, you know, the way we gender a name, we gender the clothing, we gender the expectations with what they do. It's, it's very complicated to tease these things apart and think about what's our role in this as, as we've been socially conditioned to these gender norms. And then what do we want to kind of open up for our kids? Mm-hmm. you know it's up to us whatever we're comfortable with totally and we talked about this a little bit in the Kaylin Rich episode yeah. which we'll put in our show notes as well mm-hmm. just about how to support gender fluidity and how to be supporting a lot of um, gender expansive toys and clothing and things especially on the male side because mm-hmm. they get left out a lot mm-hmm the women get more of the male things, the toys, the clothes, the things, and the males don't get that same expansive side mm-hmm. as the females do. It's so true. They're like, give the girl a truck, but don't give the the boy a doll. Yeah, and know? this made us think about, too because we had girls first, mm-hmm. who you know, born girls, and um, we you know, so our sons had the option and the uh, like. Opportunity. opportunity to mm-hmm. wear dresses and play with a lot more things but it made me think if our boys had been born first would we have provided them with the same opportunities that they had having an older sister mm-hmm. i don't know would we have given them the color spectrum the toy spectrum the the activity spectrum yeah. the gender spectrum basically yeah it's just something to open our minds to to think about and I mean, so much about this, which we also talked about in Kaylin Rich's um, conversation is just why does this matter? Why does it matter if you identify as a he or a she, as a, you know, her or a him or as a they, you know, and it's because our, our social constructs are so rigidly defined that anything falling outside of that can really be marginalized. It can be oppressed. It can be it can really be harmed. Create victims. It really can. And there are some some serious risks that trans people face and trans uh, in a huge spectrum of the word. You know, the higher risk for mental health issues. They have a higher risk uh, as victims for violence. Higher rates of, you know, as I said, depression, anxiety, suicide than general youth population. You can read more about this on Mm genderspectrum.org. But something I read that was so interesting is that if trans youth are actually accepted by their families and supported by their families, they have similar mental health outcomes to cisgender, so like assigned at birth matching their gender, kids. So acceptance by their family and their community is a protective factor. All that matters isn't just that they're other, it's that how they're perceived by other people and supported by other people. Yeah. That's that's the the thing that's the 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 factor you know that contributes the most. Yeah, something about this book that made me think about how I think it was the way that that Teresa talked about socially transitioning versus mm-hmm. physically transitioning. As in, it's not uh, her daughter wasn't having like physically transgendered, mm-hmm. um, but she was socially transgendering, saying, "Now I identify as a girl, mm-hmm. and now as I'm Grace. female. Mm-hmm. Yeah and something that we talk about too with our kids which is we don't know how someone identifies unless we ask them we don't know yeah, but just or find out by them telling us when they're comfortable or, or sharing their own <laughs> yeah. pronouns and then they can tell us their pronouns mm-hmm. or whatever it is but it just it, it's the same with when you think about it with race saying oh that's a black person that's a this person you're making these leaps and bounds you don't know who their parents are how they identify where they were born where they grew up what they want to share What they want to share how they identify we, we have to be sensitive about all of these I- parts of our identity right Okay I just had to interject back No it's just Sorry. it just put put me in mind thinking about how in a way we're all transitioning mm. all the time And not to minimize this huge transition that a lot of people are undergoing between gender and one gender and another gender that is not socially accepted greatly, which is huge. But just to say, in a way that the book kind of broke down, saying we're all can be fluid in all of these ways in the things we do, in the ways we speak, in the ways we express ourselves, in the ways we are one gender or another, in the ways we. I don't know, in everything, that we're all transitioning, and it just made me, it, it comforted me being like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I'm fluid, I want to be fluid, I want to be thinking of myself learning and growing and developing and changing in this same way, and I want my kids to have that too. Well, it's one of those things, and I'm just riffing here, where you when go you girl. think of yourself as, as something other, it's really scary, but when you bust out of that and think of, we're all on this spectrum of all of these things, that's what it erases the fear. It It ties us together to to be part of everything and to be one part of this rainbow that upbringing is so about that we all talk about so much, you know, that we want all of our kids to want to be seen by others as they see themselves as authentic. We want to see them as authentic. We want to be seen ourselves as parents, as people and women as authentic. Mm -hmm. And I think that Teresa's talk and her beautiful book says, you know, can we look at all of our kids and see what they're telling us. Can we look who are they? Not who we expect or want them to be, mm-hmm. but who are they telling us and showing us that they are? Because that is what we need to be paying attention to. Not our own agendas, you know, not our own meet our kids where they are type stuff. Right? Yeah. I loved how she talked about just being freed by that. Yeah. Like when I was when she she said something like when I was freed by the fact that that Grace wasn't a boy anymore. It made me sort of critical of Mm -hmm. all of these other ways that I was maybe controlling or having these expectations about the way she should be or what she should do. Mm -hmm. And in that way, it was freeing. And I feel that we've had those same revelations to a degree Mm -hmm. of like, why do we think they should whatever? Why are we doing that? Why? Sh- why this? Why well, that? What makes us think we need mini me's, yeah. like as relating to us or to our greater culture? What does that mean? Why? You know, we're all raising kids that we didn't expect, whether their, you know, ability, or their belief, or their temperament, or their interest or curiosity. Even if they aren't transgender, like every single one of us is raising a kid that is different, possibly than mm-hmm. we are. And is busting out of these societal norms that makes us really uncomfortable. Yeah. What do we do? You know, this is like a totally nerdy sideline moment. <laughs> Maybe because it's fall, it's making me think of Gilmore Girls. Okay, and okay, okay. So five seconds for the Gilmore fans out there, <laughs> where Lorelai asks Rory's best friend Lane, "What if your kids aren't?" Non Bible thumpers. Mm-hmm. What if they actually want to go to church? And Lane, L- Lane Roy's best friend in high school, was having twins unexpectedly. Right, and Lane grew up in a Christian Korean family. Right, hiding her real personality the whole way, which was very unChristian. Yeah, in some ways. And then yeah. had these was having these twins and was like they're going to be just like me. And Lorelai was like well, what if they aren't? What if they actually want to go to church? And she was like, what? <laughs> what? But I think e- even those who rebelled think our kids will be like us even if we just rebelled against something totally different. Yeah. It's, it's so naive and but crazy. I, but I love that idea of asking us to think, what are we rebelling a- about with our own upbringing? How mm-hmm. are we different than the family we were raised in, the family of origin, our parents, our siblings? That's fucking cool. It's not black sheep shit good stuff. Mm -hmm. It's important. And how are we acknowledging and supporting our kids being their unique selves and not conforming to a greater societal norm, but just a greater family norm Mm
1: -hmm. that can
0: really be limiting, you know? Yeah. This book was so lovely. (sighs) And so inclusive and beautiful. And I just hope everyone goes out and buys a copy. Like seriously, the the glossary at the end of the book had so many good resources for kids and for adults. And just, it had this amazing spirit of creativity and expression that I just, we keep coming back to. We cry every time. Every time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you might cry too. So get in touch with us. We can cry together about it. (laughs) We like crying. (laughs) Totally. Okay. Okay. You can learn more about Teresa Thorne and find details about her book, It Feels Good to Be Yourself, at TeresaThorne.com. See what she's up to on Twitter, at Teresa Thorne, and on her podcast's Instagram, at mothers. Also make sure to check out the book's beautifully talented illustrator and their work, Noah Grigny, at Noah Grigny on Instagram. And that's G-R-I-G-N-I. Yeah, as always, we would love to hear your thoughts about our conversation with Teresa. So you can DM, call, email, or contact us through our website, upbringing.co. We really, really love those notes. We that do. People have been sending feedback about the episode. We've been trying to story responses to ask us anything. So those have been really, great. really good. Yeah. Um, and please subscribe, rate, and review so other people can find us. It's been really good. Yeah. Lastly, you are doing an amazing job. We're so proud of you. We're right here with you, taking steps to better understand ourselves, our kids, and one another. So thanks for being here. We're all growing up together. Till next time. And now for the Ask Us Anything portion of our show, where we get a little bit vulnerable, personal, and honest about whatever you would like to know. We're getting a lot of DMs about a lot of things. We don't know everything, but we talk about a lot (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> this has been one that's coming up a lot for people, which is, yeah. what are you struggling with the most Do we in parenting not talk we right now? We don't talk about our own struggles. We talk about it in a very meta way. I think that's really? a big a big thing, Kel. Yeah. I feel like I talk about yelling at my kids a lot. You we don't talk, talk about that? You talk to me about those things, but I don't think mm-hmm. you talk about those things on the podcast well, to our if, listeners. I feel like if we had to... Succinctly wrap this around a single situation. Let's close our laptops and we're just mm-hmm. going to talk. Yep. Bing, bing. Um, What's going on for you right now, Cal? I can say for me, but I can say greatly for us mm-hmm. the morning ride to school, sometimes home from oh, school. Oh, dear God. But the morning ride to school has been a fucking nightmare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is where I'm struggling most in my parenting. Why do you think we struggle so much driving our kids half an hour to their Montessori? Okay, so first of all, it's you and me in the front and the four kids in the back. What, you and I are in the front of the car? What? Shut up. And it's 30 minutes there, at least 30 Mm -hmm. to 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. With the sun in our faces. And Yeah. (laughs) And they're like, mountain hood is right there. And we're like, and the sun blazing in our eyes. Uh, And then that back also. Mm -hmm. But... I think mostly mornings is really the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the hardest part, honestly, is that we're trapped. Mm-hmm. And most of our like resist approach, our boundaries, our, all of the things that we can normally uphold are thrown out the window and we just want the limo partition to come Why? up. That is a <laughs> great <laughs> question. So Why nice. do vans not have that... <laughs> brr- 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 <laughs> all the way up to the top... To section you off from little people that will get you in a fucking accident, but or we've, drive we've you crazy. We've talked about this. We need to bring earplugs mm-hmm. or headphones or something. And we've had a couple instances where we've had to like roll down the windows, mm-hmm. all of them, and blast classical music to just drown out what's happening. Mm-hmm. Because but just we're like stuck. a second, mm-hmm. the boys are right behind us. They're like both three. Girls are behind them. Roy and Wilder, five. Yeah. and we we section them that way because they're kind of just they do the thing they, they're they're generally, they're, connected. they're connected they're doing the things but it can be really torturous and and some days we go through and we're fine and it's okay and more often than not i would say several days a week we feel like we've been put through the like a meat grinder mm-hmm. at the end of the drive, and we look what, at each what other. What kind of meat grinder stuff? Like I can't even think about I it. Was, I've like repressed I, I brought it. this up because I was like, I think we could open every episode that we do just being like, so what's been going on on the way to school? What's mm-hmm. been well, the van ride? We were like going to try to come up with a name for it because it's been such fucking mm-hmm. torture. We could do an every week special on it, like. But drama. This, the, but this actually kind of <laughs> brings in the Teresa's. Fail and genius moments, yeah. Because I feel like they're rife for that. Some things feel like fails. They they all feel like fails mostly. But sometimes we really do have these sort of like genius moments where we kind of innovate our ways out of them, Mm -hmm. or we kind of have a genius revelation at the end about something someone was struggling with and then we can circle back and connect to it or mm-hmm. fix it or talk about it the next time so it doesn't happen or I feel like there's always a topic to review at the end where we're like, Wow, we were like totally imagining we were in France right now and that helps mm. so much. And we were talking it out and you were like saying like, Oh, the warm like tiles that we put our feet on and the jasmine. And so you're talking about some the of thing, our coping like, mechanisms. Like, oh sure. It was a coping mechanism moment. Or where we're like, oh my gosh, Roy like didn't, like she took so long getting dressed this morning that she didn't have time for breakfast. So what do we want to do about that? Should we lay her clothes out the night before with her Should we have a breakfast ready that she didn't choose? Because sometimes she chooses between like two things or three things. Like, what do we need to do to make it happen? Yeah, I feel like some things are from house into the car, Mm -hmm. like a transitional thing. Mm -hmm. Then some things are from um, like a connective chemical reaction between each of the kids meeting in the car. And then some things are like... They're starting to get bored on the drive. Right. So they start poking at each other and having being issues and being no, weird. But it's like you're, our they're girls right big, they're now so are like, they're like comparisons. <laughs> like where they're like you have those shoes on right now i need my cowboy boots on right now and then the boys are doing things where they're like if i say no you say yes and they're like no yes Yes, no yes yes (laughs) Yes, no yes yes, no oh dear god like so fucking loud (laughs) and it's like killing and it just it's constantly changing you're like don't know how to catch up you know or like it's just it's crazy I was like, how do, you, how do you guys manage the car situation? It is intense and it is insane. And we keep it so simple. We try to simplify the mornings. We try to move into the things and get in the car together and do all the we things. We don't have toys, we don't have books. We keep everything we've, super simple because yeah. we've tried those and they made it worse. Mm-hmm. But And we've talked with and wanna talk more with our friend Leslie who has four kids on her mm-hmm. own mm-hmm. getting into the car and doing these things all together. The, the oh, yeah, age yeah, spread yeah. is bigger, but still, sometimes it's, they do really well with like a story because it's Halloween and like yeah, this like that October really horror kind of feel going on right now. We've been listening to like scary quote unquote scary stories and like Halloween songs, and they tend to listen and. But like Inigo, your son is like, I'm not going to listen. But morning is I'm better in that way. And yeah. afternoon is better. Like someone is always like, no, and just ruins the whole group for listening to something. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's like every person gets to choose a song or every person gets to choose a story. And it's like, no, no, no. Someone yeah. is, is having some trouble with it. I feel like there are so many particular instances that we could be referencing right now where people will be like, Dear God, that's my life. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Like, I want to hear other people's situations. Like, what do you do in the car? Like, we don't want to be giving them treats all the time to shut them up. We don't want to be blasting the music and ignoring them. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be letting them hurt each other. We're not doing screens. you know? No. We're not doing the screen thing. Like, we're just like, we're winging it. We're, we're working it. We're, we're hoping it. All those but things, but sometimes we turn around and have to be like, stop, stop! Like we have because so much it, trouble. It, 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 it's so loud or so crazy that I feel like, as the driver, Kelty, you're the co-pilot. That like I could get in an accident being distracted. Yeah, you know. And so we've had to really ca- like consciously but say, it, it's like it's those like volumes could get us in an accident. Yeah, but it, we it, could it, get like pulled over <laughs> by the police. You know, some of them care about scare that the not the shit to, out of you or not yeah. <laughs> but I think it's like this weird experiment like in this little like tiny boiler mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. of like because we can't leave it's like one of those movies like Poseidon Adventure where they're all stuck <laughs> together because we or can't or like an walk. elevator or something but it is because yeah. we can't walk out we can't say I'm having trouble listening to you yelling I'm gonna step into the other room mm-hmm. or I see you're hitting you're, your sister, so I'm sh- gonna stop your hand. I can't I gonna, stop their hand. I'm gonna help you move her move over here, or him can't over do her. that. Yeah. Or it seems like you're wanting to yell. I'm gonna help you go outside. It's can't. the most helpless place we could possibly be with the most responsibility in a moving fucking vehicle. Yeah, like it's a insane. year ago. Yesterday on Halloween, we ran out of gas at the <laughs> oh, yeah. at the light turning into their school. Yeah, we this did. year is better. I'm gonna high five. It here. was high five. I wasn't out of gas. I'm gonna do it again. Nice. Yes. <laughs> so we did better this year. There's that. They did what they needed to do, and we did better. Mm-hmm. Is the key. It's like it's almost one of those things where does like the more times it happens make it better or worse? You're like, am I getting like where I can laugh at this now, or am I getting where I'm so fucking done? That I've given up hope and I'm literally crushed. Am I jaded in a good way or a bad way? Yes, that. Yeah. But I think that having that partner, having that person, they may not be in the van with you every morning. They may not be in the van with you every afternoon. But finding that person, who can you talk to? Who can you connect with? It could be fictional. It could be (laughs) real. It could be a partner. It could be a lover it no. could be anybody i mean like <laughs> you have to find someone if you're not with yeah. someone else because i connect with you in that way like i can only yeah. look at you and and <laughs> if we're if we're in a good place we can like crack a smile being like this is so ridiculously crazy we can only yeah. smile like can we picture ourselves on a tv show right now because it's so terrible our daughters told us we needed to go to mars and live there the they were morning. so it mad was at us. So, it was so bad. That yeah. sounds funny, but it was like we were banished there because mm-hmm. they hated us so much. Why did they do that? Why? Because we were going to school. We, we wouldn't go back thing. to get Roy some hairband thing. It was an and accessory situation. Yeah. And then while they're gone on board because she does that. And mm-hmm. But I mean, I had a situation last week where Justin was like, this van is so messy. It's disgusting. And I was just like, I had to sit down with him and be like, You don't even know what I go with on an emotional level. Mm -hmm. Like you don't know what I go through. Mm -hmm. This is like this is a a minor expression, a physical expression of the emotional burden that I'm carrying on every single drive. Turmoil. Look at the floor, bitch. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Totally. We've all been there. But then we clean up our cars. We do. We hire someone else, or we do it ourselves, whatever we can manage at the time, and we. We talk about it with each other. We circle back with our kids later. Hey, I'm so sorry I yelled earlier. I was yeah. feeling helpless because I couldn't stop you from poking your brother in the eye. And we say stuck a lot. Mm-hmm. We say frustrated, helpless, struggling, stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Car stuff. This is just the first chapter. I think of many people <laughs> might ask us more about this car stuff saga and hopefully two, we, coming we can, soon. Yeah,
1: hopefully we can learn from you guys too.